Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for downloading this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. As Christmas is around the corner, we have decided to give you your Christmas presents nice and early. And what a cracker it is. Two guests for you this week. First up, good friend of the show, the Mighty Murph, comes on board to co-host with me in the absence of Dan Killick. And uh, yeah, always good value chatting to Murph. And as always, we've got a nice uh, few colourful bits of language in there. But to be fair, this time round, I kind of tricked him into it because I hadn't mentioned that we were recording. And so, uh, yeah, he was just there chatting away. So apologies for that, Murph. But yeah, always good to chat to him. And we get through a load of uh, great questions from the listeners. So thank you to everyone who sent those questions in. And I think we got through all of them. If not, I'm sorry. We um, you know, tried our best to do that. But some great questions in there. And secondly, we are also joined by Elliot D on this podcast. Of course, the Dragons and Wales hooker and Elliot was the first player who we actually got on the podcast the first current player who uh yeah who, who came on as a guest for us and that was uh yeah a good two and a half years ago when he was a young player struggling with injury and delighted that he's been able to go on and achieve what he's done so far you know 30 caps for Wales Rugby World Cup Grand Slam and uh, he made his 100th appearance for the Dragons on Friday night in their win over Worcester so we've got a great chat with him in the second half Finally, big thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. And uh, yeah, if you want to get some Christmas gifts, I think there's just about still time to do that. And you can head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk for anyone who's a coffee lover in your family. Or if you're just like me and you've got a young child that is keeping you up and you need a bit of a coffee as a pick-me-up. So make sure you uh, do that and uh, enjoy this episode of the podcast. Having a bit of a Christmas tradition, this getting you on the week before uh, the week before the big day. Is that what happened last year? Was it? That's exactly what happened last year. Yeah, I, I think oh. I introduced you as uh, the man who's always top of the naughty list or something, uh, <laughs> something along those lines. I, I, I know the last time I was on was April, but I didn't realise uh, I'd done Christmas last year. So there we are. Yeah, I think you might have been. In fact, did we do one in April where mm. you and me went and watched Judgment Day together and then did a podcast the next day? Yeah, was that what it was? Oh, it was something mad like that, wasn't it? We could have yeah. just done it. Yeah, we could have done it straight after the game. But mm. there we I go. don't know. It was after the. Yeah, maybe it was before Judgment Day. Oh, was it? The last yeah, time I was on, yeah. Been, it yeah. might have been actually, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I think you might, it was been, post... you might have been feeling a bit worse for wear the day after. <laughs> fucking day. right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> post, um, uh, post Grand Slam, I think we were on. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Mm. That's right. And uh, go, before we get underway, better get your World Cup debrief. Uh, how uh, what, what, how are you feeling about it now? Well, one of my mates was having. I was caught up with one of my mates the other week, and he's having a moan about the way we play, the actual style of play, and yeah. everything else. But you know, at the end of the day, uh, we lost by three points to the world champions. You know, we were three points away in the semi-final, 
And you can't really crumble it. The other thing I said to him was, one day before I croak, it will turn up in a major game like that, quarterfinal, semi-final, whatever, with no no injuries. Mm. Because, you know, it, it is a, injuries a fact of the game. You just got to expect them. The trouble is, the four semi-finalists, we had, you know, well, you know we had. We had lots of key yeah. attacking players missing, the best two attacking players, and the two most effective back rowers missing. And between... England, New Zealand, and South Africa, they had they one, injury, one they? injury, Keswin Colby. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there might have been the odd player, South African, who didn't, who couldn't make the, the World Cup squad because of an injury. So, then, you know, you could argue there were probably some injuries started around. But major players, in, in my mind, that I'm aware of, <clears throat> the three major countries in the world, really, which is Australia, New Zealand, and England, had one injury between them. And, and you could argue that wasn't a proper injury because he was fit the next week for the final, Keswin Colby. We had, yeah. we, we had, well, we, you know what we had. We had a uh, Anscom, uh, Falatel before we even started. Mm. And it was Navidi and uh, Ellis Jenkins never even figured at all. He's out and he's still out now. And there was one other in between. Uh, so. I mean, yeah, John John Fox played in the game and he was injured, didn't he? Yeah, and then we on the uh, on the day we lost uh, Tom Francis and George Lawrence. So if we'd managed to scrape through, there was nothing left. No. So, you know, you, you can you can expect injuries, but why don't anyone else get them? Like we do. Mm. You know, they, you could argue they're better, they're better equipped to cope. But uh, England had zero injuries. I mean, they carried injuries into the tournament. They carried um, Jack Knoll and Funapola, yeah. but they were all fit. They were all available for the big game. So uh, I'm always a bit, you know, that's a very Welsh outlook, I suppose. But, um, yeah, and uh, Cochrane Singer, I think, was obviously turned out he was injured, but he, you know, he was mm. certainly out there, wasn't he? But uh, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. And I, I don't know if there's anything we can do about that. I, I no. don't know if there's anything we can do about that. We we looked like we had the best strength in depth we'd ever had going into a tournament, but still mm. bare bones by the time we got to semi-finals. But exactly, well, this is it. We need the strength in depth, and other countries don't seem to be don't seem to have the issue. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what just coming. You know, you know when you're you're having a bit of the, the tournament's over and you're having a bit of a wallow in self pity. That's what that was. That's what was running through my mind. Is how come other teams don't need their fucking strength and depth? You know. Yeah. yeah. There we are. There we go. Well, once again, we're handing the show over to listeners' questions, which is great because it means that uh, you don't just have to listen to me waffle on, Murph. I'm sure you've got plenty to chat about as well. So we'll be we'll be getting stuck into those things. Wait, we've started also... already, have we? <laughs> oh yeah. I had no I idea. Keep, I, I thought these, we were still on the phone call. I thought we were still on the phone call. Things rolling there, mate. You tricked me. I <laughs> I have yeah you've been uh, you've been phone hacked. <laughs> yeah you have yeah. I feel like I feel like someone's like uh, listening to my private conversations huh? I know well that's that's what you want you know you want I it guess. to feel like a yeah you want it to feel like an in, an intimate conversation rather than uh, rather than pre Well it definitely you know, was I was nearly going to go on to my love life after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't. I'm, gl- I'm it would glad be very interested I've been married a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I tell you what. Luckily, luckily, we got an interview. We got an interview with uh, Elliot D coming up in the second half of this as well. So be that's better. great. Yeah. Good, uh, good of him to join us. So uh, yeah, he'll be on the second half. So if you do fancy a little bit of um, professional media answers rather than me and Murph chatting, uh, hopefully not about his love life, then make sure you stay tuned for that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's get straight into this. Have you uh, are you up to date with uh, with the rugby from the weekend, Murph? Not all of it. No. What did you manage to catch? Uh, Scarlets. Um, yep. Uh, someone asked you a question on Twitter about uh, Louis Reese Demich. Yeah. So I made a point of watching Connaught and uh, uh, Gloucester this afternoon. Um, that's that's the kind of dedication that we never get from <laughs> Killick. So uh, that's that's much appreciated. Do you know what? Actually, I've got I've got to say this before we get underway. So Dan left me a voicemail yesterday. The only man in the world who leaves voicemails. And he said, uh, he said, Look, I can do the pod if you need me to, but maybe you could get someone else to come on and do it because. I haven't got a telly. Uh, I've I've had my telly put away because I'm redecorating the uh, I'm redecorating the front room. I was like, right, okay, that's it. That's it. as excuses go. That I don't know. There's there's almost nothing you can say to that. No. But uh, yeah, that's um, you know, you've 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 had one reference on Twitter to uh, to resummit on the wing and gone away and watched the game that you otherwise wouldn't have. <laughs> well, and if, Killick if, hasn't if, even got his telly out of the dust I, covers. I don't think there was any kind of uh, hard work in ethic involved. It was just like who. <laughs> Who's he? So I thought I'd better do some homework. It wasn't. Uh, well, he's had a good start to the season, hasn't he? Yeah, the, the, yeah. the couple of times I've seen him play, he's uh, got some absolute pace on him. That feels like a pretty good place to start. Should we go with that? 
Why not? So yeah, so that one's from uh, from Matt Armstrong. Mm. Uh, watching the Reece Samit highlights reel from yesterday got me thinking. Uh, even though there are other wingers ahead of him at the moment, if you were Pivac, would you be getting him in the Six Nations squad with a view to capping him, keeping England away, and getting him into the environment? Uh, I wouldn't personally, but you know, you? no. Well, if he was a centre or a number eight, oh, well, yeah, that's great. Or even a hooker, uh, we're a bit lighter numbers. I'd be watching him closely, but it's one it's a position where we're quite well off now. Also, I think uh, people get carried away with the past players playing in England thing, especially when they're you know like uh, youngsters coming through, like um, this guy and like Johan Lloyd over in Bristol. Mm. The thing is. <laughs> If he if he's Welsh, like if his chances are Johan Lloyd with a name like Johan, he's probably a Welsh speaker as well. Yeah. If he's Welsh, he, he won't want to play for England. Yeah. And if if England come knocking, and he says yes, well, uh, good riddance. You know, uh, I, I it's not as if um, it's not as if he's a, a, a out and out. Uh, first choice that he'd make him. Mm-hmm. You, you know, he, obviously he's really talented and he could turn into something, but uh, I, I don't think we can cover, we're not big enough to call all the bases. You, you know, the thing that's gone on in recent months about um, uh, uh, Josh Adams yeah. was released by the Scarlet, ended up at Worcester, and then because of the cap rule, he's had to come back to Wales, and they were mm-hmm. saying, no, that's not very fair on him because Worcester are the ones who developed him, and now he's had to move his life, you know, and all that stuff. The thing in the first place is the, the only reason I think, well, I, I, I suppose you'd have to ask them directly, but the only reason Scarlet's let uh, uh, Josh Adams go was because I think it was a straight go between him and um, Steph Evans at the time. Yeah. And they, like all the regions, they can't afford to keep them all. So someone's had to be let go and players develop at different speeds. There's been other players who took ages to flourish like Liam Williams and Lee Byrne and Corey Hill. You know, there's loads of them. <clears throat> so you, the, the the clubs have to make decisions <clears throat> yeah. and, and say, well, we, we just can't keep them all. Whereas, don't get, you know, if they were over the border, if they were any Gallagher Premiership side, and say, well, we can farm him out to the Championship for a couple of seasons and see what he's like down the road. There's just not enough resources over here. So players, have inevitably, if they're any good uh, and can't get a job here, are going to end up over the border. Now, it's a really interesting point. And I think the only reason I would be tempted to maybe get him in the environment is just with a view to enticing him back over the bridge. Mm. Because I think, and again, I'm no expert on this, the the way the laws are at the moment, it means that he can play for Wales. So, if you know, let's say he goes on to be a world beater and we cap him, he plays for Wales, happy days. Mm. I think he could take contract after contract after contract at Gloucester without any need of coming back because that was where his original contract is. A little bit like Tom so, Francis. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the, I think like the Tom Francis situation. So part of me would be thinking, right, well, you know, is there a way of, is yeah. there a way of enticing him back? And uh, yeah, and, but the, uh, yeah. the other problem uh, it goes back to my original point is uh, who do you mean, who do you entice him to, and who, which yeah. region's got the money? They're all cash strapped, uh, and I mean, he definitely can't go to the Blues because they're up to their eyeballs in wingers. So, oh um, yeah, unless he plays second row as well, then, uh, then there's no <laughs> chance of him going there. Yeah, so but, it's a tricky one. Yeah. I, I, and you are know is another, you know, is another tricky one. Uh, the, the reverse, the reverse argument is, is Ben Morgan. Ben Morgan was uh, out of a job picked up by the Scarlets, mm. and there was talk of him being a uh, capped by Wales. But he decided uh, in his heart he's English. Yeah, it's cost him a few quid, does because he would have had well, more caps away. Yeah, I think he'd have, he'd have had he'd have had tons, wouldn't he? Especially yeah. in the last couple of years, where, exactly. Yeah, you know where Toby's been struggling, but yeah, and he's only had a handful for England. But the trouble is, he knows he's English. Yeah, which so, you know, which which I respect. It's you know, me I too. I much prefer someone like that. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree, and you know, I imagine these boys are, will end up will end up playing for Wales at some point if they're the mm. real deal. You know, I've only seen a handful of appearances from them, so you hope they are, and and I'm sure if they're yeah, if they're if, if they're serious about it, they'll 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 come and, um, and play for the national team if they're if they're good enough. But yeah, uh, yeah you know, we'll kind of see what happens with that. Mm. But um, it's an interesting point there you make. You mentioned about the money, um, because that brings us very nicely onto a question we've had in from Adam, which says, with a fair few youngsters putting their hands up over the past few weeks, uh, what would be your Fifteen young guns to watch out for. Blimey, that'll take more research than we've got. And, <laughs> and, and with and the second point of that is with CVC money coming in. 
you know, which which foreign players, which non-Welsh qualified players should uh, should they be looking to target? So I think that's the thing is this this CVC money will materialise at some point or other, and mm. when it does, that's that is a big opportunity, and you can try and entice some of these players back into back into Wales. And right, I don't, yeah, like, yeah. I've, like I've said a number of times, I don't want to see it all go on non-Welsh qualified players. So if there's some great talent over the border, especially if it's just in you know Bristol and Gloucester, it'd be great to get those players back. So that, mm. maybe that's a, maybe that's an opportunity. It is, yeah, and, and we have to remember that the reason why these players end up in Bristol and Gloucester is the college system, uh, mm. scholarship system. Of the you know uh, when the um, academies and the regional uh, development teams play against each other, the stand is full of college scouts from England, and it has been like that for a long time. Yeah, and that's why they end up in Gloucester. It's not just that. Uh, I was going to call him Zenit St. Petersburg. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Reese Zenit St. Petersburg. Yeah. I think that's a bad name. Um, I like it, yeah. <laughs> he, hey, yeah um, it'd be nice if he had just like a nickname like the Russian or something like that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, he um, He's not the only one. There's loads of Welsh, in, in the Colossal Academy, there's loads of Welsh qualified players. Uh, there's about 10, I think, you know, mm. especially if you look at Sheedy and, uh, and Prothero, who no, he came to don't want to play for Wales. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's, there's lots of them. Yeah, so uh, that, that it's not necessarily any any particular organisation in Wales' fault. It's just the way you get, I don't know, 16 year old boys mm. just finished their GCSEs or whatever. And uh, it happened to one of my neighbours, actually. Um, Did it? Yeah, he went to, it wasn't Harvey, it was another college. And he wasn't exceptional, but he got given a scholarship and did his A-levels in a, in a rugby-based college over the border, so... Um, but it's, I mean, it's an interesting one. You know, if, if we could make that work for us, and you know, we're, we end up being able to bring these players back, then or, or keep hold of them in the first place. I don't know. It's it's a really tricky one because mm. it is a little bit like, um, you know, like some of the the South Sea Island players, isn't it? You know, a lot of those a lot of those boys get exactly. enticed over to New Zealand, age ten or eleven, to yeah. go and play. Uh, you know, because they get the they get the full scholarship, and mm. you know, it's a, it's a different life for them. So I don't know. At the end of the day, as long as they end up coming. To play for Wales again. That's, well, this that's, is... that's, that's, that's the thing that I'm most concerned about. Yeah. And if if there then is the money to bring them back into the system, uh, with the you know with the, the respective club sides, if that selection policy remains the same, then I'm kind of happy with all of it. Mm. And I think the other kind of uh, uh, realistic note we need to put on it is how many players have actually uh, gone on to play for England, having been Welsh born and. Just dragged over the border in the college. It's not that. It's not actually. Yeah. It's not actually happening. It's a good shame. Ross Moriarty was in the under twenties, and we were all thinking, "Oh my god, yeah. oh my god!" But he, like yeah. he realised he was Welsh. Sense. Yeah. And there's not actually anyone I can, unless there's someone you know, marginal who qualified for both. There's no out and out Welshman, I don't think, who's gone into the college system and ended up being an Englishman that I can think no. of. I think you might be right. If anyone does know uh, otherwise, let us know on Twitter at Attacking Scrum. And, uh, probably yeah, a flurry of answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. There'll be a 15. We'll be able to put together yeah, a, a fantasy 15. 15. Of what could have been. <laughs> yeah. But, um, do you know, it's an interesting one, though, the, the second part of that question with regards to, to the CVC money. Let's let's assume it comes in, you know, relatively quickly. And with this being the kind of, uh, you know, the, the festive period, where would you be looking to... To spend that money, which what kind you know, it doesn't need to be specific players, Murph. But what do you think each of the each of the regions needs? Uh, I think I've been on with you before and said about the, the um, English Premiership model was to pump all your money into your front five and maybe yeah. your halfbacks if you haven't got decent halfbacks. And if if you've got to have an academy boy on the wing, so be it. Because if you can't, like I really am a stuck record now. But if you can't compete in the front five, mm. you can't. You can never grind out a win. You can. You can always play on the back foot and you know all the other negative things come that come from it so um as it turns out i think there's so much money in the gallagher premiership now that it, they, they haven't got any region any teams that are following that model because they can afford all afford to have yeah. top quality, quality five for and, yeah. and top quality south sea islanders in the backs and god knows mm-hmm. where else elsewhere but i definitely think on, on lower budgets which is mm. what we're on down here which is definitely just all all the overseas stars if you like to me you know, obviously, there's going to be exceptions where you. There was a while ago where the Blues, for example, didn't have any centres, mm. and so they ended up signing Lido and Halaholo. But um, on, a, on, a, on a normal basis, I, I would just get my front five right because we, we do produce a lot of back row forwards at the moment in in uh, Wales. And then yeah, we were saying that on last week's 
with regards to you know with regards to the dragons and mm. realistically if you're on a, a limited budget as the dragons are having a player like Moriarty who's going to play at most you know if he's fully fit 10 or 12 games a season for you mm. versus the the current crop of players that you've got coming through yeah I feel, sorry for, I feel sorry for Harrison Keddy yeah he was the bright young up and comer not so long ago and now we've been struggling to get a game he has had games this season because of the World mm. Cup but uh, now everyone's back I wouldn't be surprised if someone like the Ospreys come in for him because they're shoulder back though. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Mm. It's uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's it's one of those positions that you're right. Generally in Wales, we've we've produced good back row forwards in the last ten years, but mm. particularly at the Dragons, a side that has struggled to produce other. You know, uh, obviously there are other homegrown products throughout that that side, but consistently it's just been back rower, back rower, back rower and, and all of them are, are absolute quality, mm-hmm. I think. You know, I think yeah. Griffiths, Basham and uh, and Wainwright, that's that's an international back row for me. Yeah. I really think so. But well, Corey Hill played blindside on, on the he weekend of Friday night, yeah. That must be really sickening for Harris and Keddy. I mean, because, mm. you know, he's obviously second row first, first and foremost. And uh, there's enough back row at the club already and you're looking going, oh my God, Corey Hill played as well now. He must he honestly must be looking down the fixture list, playing for uh, hoping someone gets injured, not completely injured. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think he's I think he's only twenty three, and mm-hmm. I know he I know he kind of we had him on the podcast um, about eighteen months ago, and I think he said, you know, that step up from under twenties where he had such a you know he, I, I think he was a standout player in that under twenties Grand Slam side, yeah, and that step up to. To senior rugby, you know, was a really difficult one to do. So you know, he's only twenty three. So there's still, I think, there's still plenty of chance for him. Mm. But yeah, maybe, maybe a move is, maybe a move is, is, is what he needs to develop. Yeah, it's definitely a backlog. The other thing I noticed with him, he seems to be leaner than when he was mm. playing under twenties. He was out and out number eight. You know, yeah, he seems he's leaner now. Blindside now, isn't he? Yeah. So anyway, whether he, whether it'd be an idea to put get the pies down him, I don't know. But. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's that's yeah, could could be it. Get him on the old steak and did get you notice, his diet. Did you notice Wainwright playing number eight last week? Was he playing? He played again yesterday, I think. Did he? Uh, yeah, I and do you know what? I it feels to me like he's beefing up a bit, Wainwright. Mm. I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm well, not it, entirely <coughs> sure whether that's just a, a trick of the eye, but he yeah. seems quite comfortable at eight now. I think he does. It just it just seems he could probably play all three, even though mm. he's much too big for open side now. But he's just so athletic. He looks like he'd play anywhere in the back row. There was a thing. I don't know how much truth it was, but there's a thing going around. Uh, I don't know if it was Wales online or Twitter or whatever it was in the summer when they were all doing the high altitude training and what have you. One second. That's my daughter. Sorry. Uh, they were doing the high high altitude. Training, um, they were all losing kilos, and I think uh, East Carey lost about ten kilos, and he's still huge. Yeah. Uh, apparently, we might put on weight. So, really? Yeah, it just got thicker. So uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much truth there was in that. It was just one of those. Sometimes it's a little bit of pre pre World Cup hype, you know. But apparently, mm. everyone everyone's just ripping up and getting smaller and you know the fitter and uh, he's still putting on weight through the whole summer but like I said I don't know. he does look bigger again from since the World I'll Cup you, I'll tell you one area of the game that I'm impressed because obviously you're right it's, it's his kind of athletic ability that, that kind of catches the eye isn't it I think and you know the, the work rate and all those kind of things but defending driving line outs and it's one of those areas you've, you've kind of got to got to hone in on a little bit but <clears> if you watch him he's, he does a really good job at that you know he's all about all about the the team and the donkey work because he does he did a fine job again on Friday night at stopping some of those driving lineouts. He was right at the centre of that, almost as a you know a bit of a a bit of a totem pole there. Mm. So uh, you know I, I, I don't know I don't know. Did you, did you stream that on Friday night? Did you? I did. Yes. Uh, no, I've um, seen it. Yeah. So uh, I I managed to, to stream that one and then uh, I, I caught the highlights of the Ospreys game and right. uh, so yeah you know it's. Um, I've said this a million times, and I say it every week. It's just it's really frustrating that you've got to stream it live, and you can't then watch it on catch up or anything. Because mm. really, you know the the games, and also there was no commentary on it. It was really? just the, oh, right. the feed from the from within the ground. You think, oh, right. you know, if this is supposed to be, I know it's not the the Champions Cup, but it's still a you know it's still a professional European tournament. You think they could get a commentator on, you know couple of hundred quid to yeah. you know even even some students to to go and do a job for them but, so could, yeah. could you could you hear the ref throughout the game or you'd hear the ref oh, and uh, and then the crowd and stuff yeah but right. uh, 
I don't know. I, I hear apparently it's um, it's a bit of a craze with the with Amazon getting the the Premier League football rights. There's an option to watch that without the commentary on. But uh, I, I don't see. I don't. I'm see just going to say that the, there are some commentators where uh, if you could select no commentary, <laughs> there would be problem possibly boost figures. Yeah, yeah. I'd why the old mute Stuart Barnes up, perhaps <laughs> or. Uh, Sometimes, yeah. uh, well, I'm not going to name names. There's a few who get ca- carried away at certain times, and you think, "Oh my God, don't you go on?" You know, when they get excited. Yeah. <clears throat> I do, and I, yeah. I think uh, it's a real mixed bag. The commentary, isn't it? Because I think there's some mm. really good players out there. Uh, players, sorry, some really good commentators out there who let the action take centre stage, and they add a bit of clarity to it. You know, mm. they're not there trying to kind of put their own lines in. They're not over. Than... They're not overselling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. that's it, and. Yeah, I, for me, it's all about someone who can make that game, you know, feel better because it is better rather than trying to drum up some false excitement around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But let's move on. Let's take a let's take another question before we have a quick break, and let us go. Actually, there's still one more question from uh, from Adam, so I'm going to finish this. He's plenty plenty of value in this. Again, someone else doing more preparation than Killick. Um, <laughs> What head coaches should be considered for the Ospreys and the Scarlets? And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's looking very much at the moment as though uh, Brad Moore is going to be gone probably by the end of the season to take up a coaching role with New Zealand. Uh, I mean, to start with, that that seems like a massive blow for them. I was going to say, it's a sickening sickening move. He must have something in his contract where he can get out early if it's international call-up or something. Well, that or they're going to pay a a whacking great release clause. Oh, right. Okay. I suppose if you're in New Zealand, you could buy him out of your, your, your Scarlet's contract. Well, I, I don't know. Well, I hope, the con- I hope whoever wrote the contract for the Scarlet's put a big big number on it yeah. <laughs> on the buyout clause because, um, yeah, he looks... I mean, he's he's steered them so well through the tricky World Cup bit that mm. you, you imagine that uh, he, he, things would have gathered steam now that everyone's back, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, that's a bit of a blow because, I mean, uh, you know, any, any change of coach is a big risk, you, you, you know, because... Uh, well, we've all, we've all seen it. And in a half tidy coach comes in, the next one, <clears throat> everything goes belly up. They lose the dressing room, and mm-hmm. you know they just look like a totally different team, even though the personnel is exactly the same. So um, it's, a, it's a tricky thing to replace. And I, I got no idea. I mean, um, I had a, the same guy I was on about earlier. I was talking to the talking about the World Cup. We had a laugh because he was saying about the new Ospreys coach and he said, Mike Ruddock's been mentioned. <laughs> and I said, he's mentioned every time there's a job. It's never going to happen. He lives in Dublin. And then next day he's confirmed. To, I mean, only for a month, don't get me wrong. But, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. He could, as he could you know, quite comfortably have still lived in Dublin and, uh, and done yeah. that job, I think. But, We've said it on here before. He's always mentioned whenever there's a post comes up, he's mentioned. Yeah, but, he's, uh, the Alan, time, he's the Alan Kerbishley of the world rugby world, isn't he? I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That he's, but, uh, he's mentioned with every open job. But uh, it's interesting because I'd love to know how much impact he's doing on a day-to-day basis or is he just in there saying, right, look, here's the areas where you're going to need to improve massively. You're going to need, you know, so-and-so would be a good appointment in as a, as a tax coach. So-and-so would be a good appointment as a, as a head coach. I, I'm, it, still, you know, it still seems a bit unsure to me how hands-on he is in terms of what he's actually doing. Uh, I mean, the Ospreys at the moment, it's a job to know where to start. I mean... Uh... <clears throat> not only are they just got rid of Alan Clark, but now Matt Sherrett has said he's going to go at the end of the season. Mm. And one of the reasons why, apart from, you know, there was 500 big reasons why <laughs> <laughs> why Gareth Hanscom went there, but one of, the, one, of, yeah, one of the other reasons was to be to work with Matt Sherrett again. And then they lost him to the season. And then when he's fit again, the reason he went there is the reason to, he wanted to work with Matt Sherrod is gone again. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of issues. I mean, apart from anything else, luck. The luck is completely poxed at the moment. <clears throat> um, the injury list aside, mm. they started that game last week against, uh, was it Racing 92 at home? It was, yeah. yeah. And um, the fullback kicked someone in the face by mistake. At one stage, you were down to 12 players. That's right, yeah. I mean, you just... Uh, if anything, uh, all Mike Reddick's got to do is sit there until their luck changes, yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then get patted on the back for it. But um, I, I mean, I wouldn't know where to start. I, I'd, I'd never heard of, you know, as you know, I'm nerdy as you like about uh, rugby, and I never heard of Brad Moore until yeah. he until he signed with the Scarlet. So you know, it's all it's all beyond. It's all to do with agents. Let's be honest. 
Yeah, it's a good show. All right, well, look, we've got plenty more to get through uh, in the second half. Coming up straight away after the break, we've got our interview with Elliot D. And then after that, me and Murph will be cracking on with the listeners' questions. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this short break. And a big welcome back to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Last time we spoke to you, it was 2017. You just had your ankle operated on. You're hobbling up and down the beach in Cornwall. Yeah, I remember. Looking forward to trying to establish yourself in the Dragons team. Now you've got 100 appearances for the side, nearly 30 caps for Wales, including a Grand Slam and the Rugby World Cup semi-final. How do you look back at those last two and a half years? It's obviously been a, been an amazing sort of two years. It's, um, it's tough to really have time to to stop and um and think really about um about the last two years everything's happened um sort of you know it's like in rugby you uh, you sort of achieve something and um you celebrate it that sort of night and you have a day off the next day and you're back in on a monday working towards a towards a game on the weekend so um no it's been a it's been absolutely brilliant two years but uh, it's 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 come and gone fast i think and um it's, it's hard to sort of um, have a chance to look back on it without, without sort of um, without having a break in between. Like, you know, whenever we speak to players, there's there's always kind of sense of ambition. But were you surprised how quickly those things happened for you from going from playing for the Dragons through to getting a cap for Wales and then Grand Slams and World Cups? Did it kind of surprise you how quickly that happened? Yeah, but it's, it's funny. I was um, I was talking the other day. Um, I did an interview with someone the other day and uh, they asked us the same question and I remember at that time it'd been a, a sort of tricky well, it'd been a really tricky year for me I think I'd had three operations on my ankle an operation on my nose and I just couldn't really get a break like um, I, I couldn't get on the field I couldn't string any any games together I was out of contract so I remember being a bit worried at the time and um, I, I think that's the way sport goes it was funny um you can just take off. You get a chance. You can take off, and um, you don't really look back. You just you just keep going, and no, it's been brilliant. I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've got to ask you about Rugby World Cup. Dusters settled now. Do you feel proud of what the the team has achieved, or does it still feel a bit like a like a missed opportunity? Oh yeah, definitely. I think extremely proud of of, of what we achieved. Um, we're obviously a small country, small nation, and. Um, to go out there and get to the to the semi final was um, was massive for us, but it was also that bit of disappointment. I think we were five minutes away from sort of um, dreaming about the final. So yeah, it was it was tough to take, especially after um, after the sort of five months of hard work that went into it. I think um, the day we landed back, I think it'd been something like five months and three days. Um, in total, that was a total preparation, and um, it was obviously something. It was a, it was a great experience, and I know all the boys really, really enjoyed it. We were really proud, but yeah, we we were gutted. We didn't really. Um, we, we went out there with a with a goal to sort of get to the final, and we just we 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 couldn't do it in our last sort of ten minutes of that uh, semi final. So yeah, it was uh, it was a hard one to take. Had some questions coming from our listeners, and uh, this one from Gareth Davis wants to know what your international targets are now. Is touring with the Lions, for example, a, a realistic target? Um, I think it's about not really getting too far ahead. I think um, obviously um, every every rugby player that's that's their dream is to um, to, to get as far as they can um, to, to play for the Lions. Obviously, that's. Uh, that that would be the dream, but um, I think it's about taking small steps, um, hitting goals, and and um, then setting some more. So, um, I, look, I just I want to play as much as I can for the Dragons, for Wales, um, and um, just see where it go, see where it goes, see see how far I can get, and um, hopefully, hopefully just carries on going the way it's been going uh, the sort of last two years. Back to club rugby, got your 100th cap for the Dragons on Friday and managed to top it off with a good win. How excited are you about the European prospects this season? Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, it was brilliant to get a win in uh, Rodney Craig. Um, we were going to laugh at the boys. Um, it wouldn't be 
it wouldn't be Rodney Brady if he wasn't chucking it down on a Friday night. Um, but no, it was, it was brilliant to to be back in front of the crowd, get the win, and um, I think of sort of historically we've done uh, pretty decent in Europe over the last couple of years when when maybe the league hasn't gone uh, so well for us. So it's, we we certainly enjoy playing in Europe and uh, look if we can get a knockout stages that's exciting and that's what rugby's all about really been a good start to the season for the Dragons plenty of cautious optimism from the fans what's the atmosphere been like within the dressing room yeah it's brilliant um, it's been quite refreshing uh, getting back really um, you can sense there's a there's a whole new sort of ambition for, from everyone throughout the club um, everyone's everyone wants to get better everyone's uh, training really hard and it's just just little things. Lots of little things have changed. I won't go and do it too much, but um, stuff behind the scenes um, that's changed, and it's nice to just um, be in such a professional environment and whatever wants to do, whatever wants to do well, and everything's taken care of. Another question that's coming from our listeners. This one is from Greg C, and he wants to know if Sam Davis is right and the Dragons are building something special under Dean Ryan. Yeah, definitely. I think he is right there. Um, look, Sam's come in. He's done an excellent job for us. and um, it's, it's nice to see the boys that have come in uh, really enjoying uh, not just not just the rugby, but the crack around the place as well. Um, we've got a really good bunch of boys and um, we're all sort of clear in our mind now um, where we want to be. Uh, we know the last couple of years have been tough and everyone's just working really, really hard to um, to be the best we can be and it's, it's brilliant to be a part of. I was looking for inspiration in a few new places for questions to ask you and decided to have a chat with my wife and, and see if she could come up with a couple of things that, that I should ask you. And she wanted to know whether you're looking forward to Christmas, which unintentionally brings up an interesting point. How much can you enjoy Christmas when you've got two games in five days? And essentially, you know, it's kind of the, the hardest part of the year for you. Yeah, it is. Um, obviously, it's great for great for fans to um, sort of get out on Boxing Day, New Year's Day, watch those games. But um, no, it is it is tough for us. Um, I think you you've got to try and find a balance. Um, I think that's a great thing at the Dragons now as well. We've we've talked about finding our balance. Uh, when we're in, we're on we're on to rugby, and uh, when you're off, you're off, and you're enjoying time with your family because that's important as well. They say happy wife, happy wife, happy life. Um, but no, it's just little things you have to watch. Sort of uh, while you're eating Christmas Day, you obviously enjoy yourself, but don't uh, don't eat too many pigs and blankets. Don't uh, turn up the next day sort of three, four k heavier. Um, obviously drinking drinking is sort of uh, off limits before the game, but there's there's still opportunities for us to to get out and be social after the game. So no, it's 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 a sort of it's it's tough. You can't really um, enjoy it as as you would if you if you weren't a professional sportsman. But um, it's a sort of great time of year. The derbies they add a bit of extra spice, and um, you do you get a lot of the time after after sort of games to enjoy yourself as well. So nice. It's uh, it'd be a good couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to it. Scarlet's up first at Rodney Parade. Do you feel like you got a really good chance of beating them this time round? Yeah, look, there's a like I said, there's a there's a good buzz in the in the team. We all got we've all got a good belief, and it'd be nice to play the Scarlets um, at Rodney Parade. Um, I don't think we've played them there for sort of three or four years. That uh, usually play them in that Judgment Day fixture, and that counts as a home game for us. But uh, no, it'd be nice to play the Scarlets at Rodney Parade, um, and something I think all the boys are looking forward to it. Like I said about the derbies, they they sort of always add a bit of extra spice and. Um, it was nice year. last year we picked up a few derby wins so we're certainly looking to, to do the same this year kind of blues on Boxing Day local rivalry I presume we can expect another fiery encounter with that one yeah it always is it's always a great game to play in um, there's, a, there's always a lot of spice um, and I remember a couple of years ago um, beating the blues on, on the arms park on, on Boxing Day and that, that was a great day it was a fond memory of mine um, and we haven't managed to beat them for a few years so um, it'd be nice to sort of try and get one over on uh, on them there and obviously all the boys got a lot of friends um, f- from both regions so um, nah, really looking forward to it 
And I have to finish with one final question from my wife, which unsurprisingly has nothing to do with rugby and much more to do with Christmas. What is your favourite Christmas song? Ooh, favourite Christmas song. Um, oh, what's the one with Slade? What's, what's the... Here it is, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Mer- Merry Christmas, everyone. Yeah, that's the one. I think that's my, that's my favourite Christmas song. <laughs> well, hopefully you get a chance to enjoy a bit of Slade and uh, a few drinks in between all the hard work over the Christmas period. Ellie, it's been great to catch up with you. Best of luck with the fixtures over Christmas and hopefully a really successful year ahead for you in 2020. Thanks again for joining us. All right, no worries at all. Cheers, mate. This is Adam Beard and you're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by So Coffee Trades. Thoughts there of Elliot D. Big thanks to him for joining us once again. Absolutely amazing. First time, as we said in that interview, first time he joined joined us on the show, he was hobbling up and down the beach in St Ives, having just had his third ankle operation of the season. And two and a half years later, he's got 30 caps for Wales, Grand Slam and a, uh, and a Rugby World Cup semi-final as well. So big thanks to him. Right, Murph, let's, uh, let's get through some more, of these, uh, some more of these listeners' questions. This is an interesting one from, uh, from Reese Nartz. Is this the dullest Champions Cup for years? After three rounds, <laughs> you could name seven, seven of the quarterfinalists. Saracens getting through with their reserves. Bruce Craig and his cohorts have absolutely killed what used to be an interesting competition. What's your thoughts on that? Um, he's got a point about the seven quarterfinalists already. Mm. I mean, that, that's not that can happen. In, that has probably happened in other years where sides yeah. have just been dominant from the beginning. Um, I think the main reason from our point of view is from you know, when I say our I mean Welsh rugby fans is, mm. there's only one Welsh team in it and they're awful uh, yeah. this season you know they played well last season to get into the tournament and now they've on form they're probably the worst region of the four is that, is that fair to say? I, I think it is yeah. yeah well yeah I mean so there's, there's, no, there's no interest for us at all you know, you know no. um, well I'm not sure there was much interest for the Ospreys to be honest I think Alan Clark went into those opening two fixtures and thought mm. oh, you know if I can avoid a hammering in both of these games then yeah. great and he didn't so it's I'm not sure that they were that interested in it I thought it's a tough group they never stood any chance of getting out of it and you know it's kind of showing <coughs> that's definitely a factor if I'm honest you've got, no one, to, you've got yeah. no one to cheer on really have you, you know no. I mean? and, and you know uh, uh, that is a Issue and and he's uh, he's right about the seven teams looking uh, safe for the quarterfinals already. But having said that, you know I watched Munster Saracens uh, yesterday. Yeah, mm. I watched it yesterday last night when I got in, and um, I mean it was a great game, hard game. You yeah. know, not not a thriller. Uh, also, I thought because of my doing my homework, I watched Connaught Gloucester this afternoon, and. Um, that could have been an end-to-end thriller, but I thought Roman Pratt killed killed off the breakdown. He was letting both teams get away with everything, and yeah, I know. And then uh, he, he did. I did. He, I think he did end up giving out the three yellow cards, but one of them he gave out for not rolling away. It was in the seventieth minute of the game, yeah. and by then it's not going to do anything. Is it was stifled. It still ended up being a great finish, but it could have been. Um, I'm trying to think of another game that was similar this year. One of the Leinster matches, I think, it was Leinster with Northampton. Yeah, it was just really. <clears throat> free-flowing open game and great to watch I think it was the one that was on Channel 4 actually and uh, that's what yeah they both were they both were actually they, yeah, they, they put Leinster yeah. yeah they put the back-to-back ones on I haven't, um, I haven't seen yesterday's yet though no no I haven't either but uh, yeah you know what I, I don't know if I'm in the minority here right but there's a lot of dead rubbers in mm. in uh, the Heineken Cup and there always has been yeah. like again after two or three rounds you could have a hat full of teams who are out mm. and I don't know. If, I don't know if it's me not being any good at maths, but it's it's too bloody complicated to figure who gets out of what, and yeah. too many different permutations. Well, it, I'd, I'd have been way much more up for having pool. You know, four. Uh, sorry, eight pools of four. Top two go through. I know it's an extra round of mm-hmm. it's an extra round of fixtures, but it's just yeah, it's just way too many dead rubbers for me. Yeah, it's, uh, it used to be the um, whoever. Whoever gets an Italian team in their pool is guaranteed yeah, to go right. through second. Um, uh, shame, shamefully, it's the Ospreys this year. Well, it is. <laughs> it's yeah. it's going to get five points every time they play them. And then uh, second place, which will be... Well, that's still wide open, actually, that group, though, isn't it? Because Racing 92 and Munster and Saracens are all live, live goals for first and second. 
Um, so, yeah, it, check it, the table, it could well be who hammers the Ospreys the most or who did yeah. in, the, in the first round, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, you know, there's other, there's other groups that have ended up one-sided as well, which, you know, I, I don't know what they can do about that, though. I mean, aside from bringing in an NFL-style draft system, you know, some clubs are going to have uh, more money, bigger swabs and uh, and players playing at their best, the peak of their powers, and that's why they're just going to do better that those that particular season or over a string of given seasons and the other teams will be on the downturn and I don't know what they can do about it really I mean apart from flush loads of money into Welsh rugby so we're more competitive I don't know what's going to, what, what the answer is <clears throat> Yeah I mean I could I could see if these CBC changes come into mm-hmm. fruition the Heineken Cup kind of struggling to find its place because if you do end up with a British and Irish league that will that will take precedent mm. and CBC will put their money behind it. And we all know that the French can be a bit disinterested in Europe at the best of times because they're, because the emphasis they place on their domestic league and the fact it goes on for like 11 and a half months of the year. Yeah. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's at a crucial stage, to be honest, where they, uh, they kind of need to figure out how to best, how to best make it work and how to market it best. Well, uh, you had that uh, part recently where you were, Saying to Dan about the European rugby might die if they yeah. if the CBC are their way and start the British league, and I, I wouldn't be too disappointed. No, I mean, they, all all they're going to do is a like you say, the French are more interested in their domestic league, and then if you've mm. got a British league, so where's Ireland, Scotland, England? Um, you could at the, at the, after the grand final of that league, you could get them to play against the winners of the, the top fourteen. Yeah. There's another money spinner in the bag, and off you go. Um, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Uh, no, if, I, I mean, from... it would, it, it's probably what Welsh rugby has needed since professional rugby started. It's cross-border yeah. competition where you can get uh, generate big interest locally and get the gate receipts and the TV money. Yeah, exactly that. And I think the, you know without wishing to relive the mistakes of the past too much, but the opportunity they had in whatever it was, 1999, 1998, to, to, to hook up with the English sides, I think. Was that the Rebel season, was it? The Rebel season, yeah. I remember that. You know, possibly a missed opportunity. Mm. But then, you know, this, this, could be, this could be a really good thing. I, I think a British Norris League, you know, that versus the Pro 14 is it, a massive step up. It would be two division, though? I think so. The worry there, though, is that you'll end up with two divisions and all the Welsh regions, Scottish regions, and Connaught in the second division with whichever English club is not fading very well in that particular time. And then but again, if, Leinster, if the Munster, state... Ulster, and all the English sides in the first division. True. But if the major stakeholder is, you know, is CVC, then everyone kind of has does benefit from the money that they're bringing into the game as well. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it. I think that could level things out a bit. It, it might well end up being a. You know, if it does happen, being a, a two conference thing. But, but that's that's the. Well, if it was a two conference, that's different. But if it's division one, division two, you know, I could well imagine. You know, at least two, at least two of our regions being in division two, and then we're a little bit back like we are with the European Cup, where we're glad if we get two teams in the European Cup, and yeah. chances are they're going to die on their ass anyway. It's true, but yeah, you know, I, I think just by the fact that you're building a league where there's an opportunity to generate some money mm. that in the long oh, term, definitely, definitely to get better, you know. Definitely better, yeah. But yeah. I'm not sure. I, we, I think that obviously the TV money would be the biggest uh, mm. earner, but then you know, other, t- other clubs st- are still going to take money, more money through the door, through the gate, should I say. And in... T-shirt, uh, jersey sales, and mm. sponsorship. So, we, I think we'd still be. We, we, I don't mean ever. Uh, when I say we, I say I don't think the four regions will ever get mm. a level footing. It goes back to that thing, which I'm sure we've said only before about Leinster. <laughs> if you could average fifty thousand, uh, if you could average ten thousand gate in the, in Wales <clears throat> at any mm. of the regions, everyone's paying twenty quid. Well, Leinster, because it's Dublin, they average twenty-ish thousand on gate, and they're all paying yeah. forty quid. Yeah, exactly. So you're always going to be like the TV money is going to be spread equally, obviously, but uh-huh. then then their top of money is always going to be double what we're going to do over here. Yeah, it is, and again, I suppose that brings you know brings into question: could you could you put in place a salary cap 
and yeah. would they would they want to do it? Yeah. You know, would and would Saracens stick to it? That's the that's the big question, yeah. I suppose. That's why they need an NFL draft system. Yeah, do you know what? I mean, I, as as you well know, I know nothing about um, about American sports, but there's something about that that just feels like it's a it's a brilliant way to it's a brilliant way to kind of level things up a bit. It's, it's I've been chatting to other mates of mine about it. So it's weird for a country like America. I know. It's such I know, a socialist system. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know this is a rugby podcast and we're talking about NFL, but it is weird. I mean, you couldn't imagine uh, Real Madrid accepting a draft system or, or Barcelona no. or, or any other massive football team. But over there where there's, you know, stupid amounts of money involved, they say, oh yeah, okay, uh, the bottom team can choose the best player. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, it's like captains picking up teams on the, on the park. You know, we, 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 you, you nominate two captains, you're taking turns to pick pick a team, yeah. and there's always like the the leftovers of the last two or three. It's a little bit like that with the NFL, but um, yeah, I couldn't. I mean, you, you you couldn't. It's fun to talk about. You couldn't actually do it here because there's no college system. No, yeah, well, yeah, apart from Hartbury College and everywhere else, <laughs> yeah, which from... brings us full circle to question one. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes, yeah, it's, it's it's an interesting thought, but I don't know. There, I don't know. There's there's infinite possibilities with this with this British and Irish league, and it will just be interesting to see how realistic it is and how much of it is, um, you know, is just kind of hype. But I, I don't know. It, it seems like it could be something to make sense, particularly if CBC end up being the dominant shareholder in the Six Nations as well. Mm. And you know, you might just end up with them becoming the big player in, in international rugby as well as club. Mm. And then you, you know, you don't have the, the problem with the global season anymore because, you know, they can pretty much call the shots more than, more than world rugby can. Mm. But anyway, maybe that, we're, that, a, we're I, a long way off that. Well, listen, I, I mean, that things get really complicated then because I mean, the reason, the reason the way uh, things land as they do now is partly because of like, uh, uh, our winter is different to their winter down south. Yeah. And, you know, the way it all lands at the moment has just happened organically over the last few decades. So chopping, I mean, you're going to have to, if they wanted to dictate the makeup of the season, they'd have to start telling teams to play in summer. And, you know, and I don't just mean touring teams, I mean, domestic teams playing in yeah. summer and everything to, to marry up the two hemispheres and everything else. And so that's a really complicated situation. Right? It is. Uh, let's get back to something a bit more, uh, yeah, a bit less political and a bit more concentrated on the rugby. This one is coming from Gary Mason. Uh, what is the one big club matchup that you're looking forward to? Firstly, at the Welsh derbies. Secondly, from within the new year. And thirdly, what is your wish for the new year? Let's Ooh, start with the Welsh derbies. Which ones of those do you, uh, do you fancy the, uh, the most in terms of... Uh, a spectacle. Uh, I haven't looked at the fiction list, but I'm, I'm going down Boxing Day to Cardiff uh, Dragons. So, oh yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll have to pick that one because I'm going to be there. <laughs> so you could have just got you could have just got away with that Murph as well if you said oh, I haven't looked at the fixture that you know, rather than saying I haven't looked at the fixture just go oh yeah it's definitely that one the rivalry <laughs> yeah. between the two sides See, on the terrace. You, you know what I'm saying about commentators overselling. Yeah, I've just under, I've undersold yeah. the whole of the Christmas stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting one there. Um, it's it's a fascinating time this for the Dragons because there does seem like there's a an air of optimism knocking around the place. Yeah, but this is where it kind of gets it gets very real now, and to a certain degree, the Challenge Cup is a bit of the phony war. Mm, yeah. You know, because you do have players chopping, you know, sides chopping, changing their their size, and you've got a, you know Russian team in your group and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and the French, so, um, the French not being interested, and... the French not being interested. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really interesting one to see how the Dragons go away from home against Cardiff in a, and in a properly competitive game. In a properly competitive game, mm-hmm. you know, with with two first choice fifteens. I think that's going to be the the real acid test mm. to a certain degree. How they get on against the Scarlets at, uh, at Rodney Parade, but that will be, you know, I think that's a I think that's a tricky one. Um, you know, I think yeah. it'll be hard pushed to get a win there even at home. But mm. I don't know, yeah, Cardiff away. It's a it's an interesting one. You know, they almost got a win, um, a win against the Blues uh, this time last year, didn't they? And uh, that's right, it wasn't yeah. for a, a kick in the last minute. So, yeah. and you know, and that was a much worse side than they are now. So, mm. that's that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I'd, I'd probably be inclined to go with that for uh, 
So, uh, what, the aquatic uh, blues dragons. Remind, can, can you remind me off the top of your head, or do you, uh, the um, the other fishes is like um, blues going to the ospreys? Are they? Let's get them up, shall we, mate? Yeah. Because everyone wants to play the ospreys at the moment. Well, I think they do, don't they? Yeah. Really, it's you know they're they're the side comfortably the most out of form when it comes to uh, when, it, when it comes to all competitions, really. Yeah. So we start this uh, next weekend. So it's dragons at home to scarlets on Saturday the twenty first. All right. And ospreys are at home to Cardiff Blues. Then we've got on Boxing Day Cardiff Blues Dragons is the one we've mentioned already, and then Scarlets Ospreys at Parker Scarlets. <laughs> And then on New Year's Day, I oh know it's not New Year's Day this time around. It's, uh, uh, no, it doesn't. Not according to the BBC website. Uh, on the third of January, it's right. Cardiff Blues at home to Scarlets yeah. and Dragons at home to Ospreys on Saturday the fourth. Right. So yeah, are they televised? Are they, are they? They're not. Are yeah, any of them? that's back. That's all back on. Um, that, there'll be a couple on S4C, all right. but everything will be available on Premier Sports. Oh, okay. So yeah, right. So yeah, it's a lot easier to follow if you're uh, if you are a subscriber to Premier. Yeah, which yeah makes it, it makes it a little bit easier. Mm. Uh, what about the new year? Any anything you're kind of particularly looking forward to in that? You've got a couple. I think I suppose it's, it's Europe adds a little bit of spice to that, doesn't it? Because at least there's there's two sides kind of going strong in Europe. One, um, I think me and me and Dan are going to go to uh, Scarlet to come into London Irish. All right. So we're gonna get, we're gonna go and watch that one. Okay, and uh, and do a bit of uh, a bit of content, as they say, nice. and do a bit of that from uh, from down the road in Reading. Um, so that'd be an interesting one, and you know, presumably, they, well, they are they're going to have everything to play for mm. with a, a bit of a showdown against Toulon at the end of that. Yeah, and um, Scarlet's obviously cruising through their group too. So, but having seen the the sorry, I just have to let the dog out. <laughs> the um, having seen the. Um, the tables and the bet in Bristol are really strong favourites for that tournament. Yeah, and you can, I mean, you can see why in terms of what their league form is up to. It just yeah, you know, and you know, I got, and the signings they're making. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd be incredibly keen to see how they're making all this. Financially, <laughs> it's exactly right? what I was thinking. Yeah, so there'd be a Salazar style investigation in no time. But I mean, if there was, if there was, if there was anything untoward, talk about hiding in plain sight. You know, mm. like while everyone is looking at Saracens and going, you know, kind of pointing the finger and getting self-righteous. Yeah. Even, even clubs yeah. like Harlequins, you, you know, it'd be amazing for Bristol to go. Yeah, no, no, no we're um, yeah, we're functioning yeah, really well. Yeah. Just like kind of whistling. <laughs> yeah. Twilight signing Randranda. Meanwhile, <laughs> welcoming Randranda mm. in. Yeah. And if all, the, the thing, the thing with that is that obviously. Can't be cheap, and you know, he, I, I thought he was the deadliest player at the World Cup, and mm. what have you. But uh, they've already got Charles, 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 Charles Piotel, and, he, yep. and he's supposedly the highest paid player in the country. Mm. You know, I think only it's people like Israel Falau were, were on more than him down in Australia, and that was because of the Australian Rugby Union boosting his wages to stop him from leaving Australia and all those sort of things. Yeah. But as an actual straightforward, paid by your club. Oh, he's one of the top paid players in the world, and then he goes sign Rodrigo as well. But I mean, in their defence, okay, let's let's try and defend them a little bit, even though I've got no allegiance at all. Uh, they have got a lot of like um, unheard of kind of academy, well, like Yoan Lloyd mm. and people like that. Who, who, they can't be on big money yet because they've only just no, they're not. But you know, but you know, Yoan Lloyd is keeping Ian Madigan out of the side, and mm. Ian Madigan, I, I think, is probably a good point, quarter of a million pound a year. Player, yeah, yeah, I would guess. You know. Kind of to be lured away I mean, from it, Ireland. If you go down that route, there's loads of Dave Atwood, there's Nathan Hughes. Yeah. It, uh, there's a lot of still. I'm sure there's nothing to see. <laughs> oh, well, you know, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine there is just given what the, the current climate is like at the moment. But anyway, yeah. it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Let's wrap up with this one then, Murph, to finish. Head us into the festive period. This is from Ricky Ford. What do we want Santa to bring us this Christmas? He's gone for a fit Toby in the new year. What uh, mm. What would you like to see next year? Um, yeah, well, going back to um, my um, eavesdropping on my World Cup uh, analysis, which I didn't know mm. we recorded. I suppose a, f- a fully fit squad would be a start. With uh, I mean, you can't you can't have that until next summer because um, Anscombe's out for the season. Yeah, uh, Ellis Jenkins is coming fit again soon. That's nice. 
Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, that's been a long old. Sl- it's over a yeah. year he's been out, and that's that's a horrendous injury. To think, you know, he was he was man of the match in that game as well. It was in the last minute. And captain, such cruel luck. And Cap- I think he captained the side that day. Yeah, he was he was all lined up to was be. That, was one Alan Wynn not playing? No, it was one of the. Which game was it? It was South Africa. Oh no, okay then. No, he wasn't captain. He did oh, captain. Okay. I think he captained one the 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 bum game. You know the the third game, which oh, is yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I met him at a party actually um, oh, yeah. a few weeks ago, more than that. And uh, uh, the, the guy, uh, the guy hosting the party, didn't even know who Ellis was. <laughs> so, really? No, it's just one of my mates. He's mad. He just didn't know anything about rugby. And um, so I chatted to Ellis briefly and. Um, talking about the injury and he, he lifted his leg appointed to his knee he said see that I said yeah full on mashed potato <laughs> really <laughs> yeah but apparently he's playing uh, uh, early January so can't, the, the mashed potato must have firmed up in some some way or the other and um, yeah, yeah he, I, just, he, I just hope he's able to come back to the to the level that he was before because he's uh you know he's, he's such a such a good player over the ball, but again, yeah. it's a bit like Warburton. The way he plays, you know, it's he's going to pick up injuries, and you just mm. hope he's able to stay free for a for a for a good stretch. Yeah, and also, I'm, sometimes in his position, you can get away with having a gammy knee. Mm. <laughs> if that makes it like if he's a winger, and he's got to be working perfectly for him to get back to yeah. his best. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Richard Hill finished the last season or two of his um, yeah. of his uh, career with, with a with a leg he couldn't fully straighten. He didn't have full flexibility in his knee for the last couple of seasons. He was still legendary, so obviously that's not ideal for Ellis Jenkins. But uh... it's not. But yeah, look, I think uh, I think that's a that's a pretty good shout for uh, for having a, a fully fit squad. Mm. I I would just like yeah, I I like this Dragons run to continue. Obviously, I, I just think it's been such a you know the last ten years have been so bleak that to just have a competitive side, you know, no one's asking to turn into Leinster overnight, but it it, it wouldn't be bad to turn into Connacht or. Even blooming Benetton, you know, mm. just to know, just to know, you're going to be good in the home games and be competitive, and you're not going to get thumped by everyone. So yeah. I hope this, I hope this vein of form continues. Absolutely, I, it's it's just a breath of fresh air, isn't it, to have them going well? It is, mm. Murph. Great to chat to you as always. And have you uh, have a blinding Christmas. Enjoy Boxing Day. You too. Um, I I got to mention I should have said top of the show. We should have been because you probably read it on Wales Online already. But I, uh, it was just under the news of. Uh, Mike Reddick signing the Ospreys is Tony Murphy taking a seat on the committee at Morgan Wanderers Rugby Club. Is that right? Yeah. For a month or for longer? <laughs> well, yeah, longer. Let's well, see if it, you it, last longer than a yeah, month. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because um, I was up there for the Pondy Pool game uh, last week, and uh, the chairman said, uh, "Chairman said to me, um, Murph, uh, thanks for joining us on the committee. Um, one of the boys is going to talk to you about all the jobs you got." <laughs> now, in, in my mind, a committee man who just turn up once a fortnight or something and I either vote for something or vote against something and then have a few pints so yeah I think that only works if you're at Cardiff Blues <laughs> yeah well yeah <laughs> so um, I don't know I don't know I mean I don't know how to break it to him I haven't really got time for all these jobs that he wants me to do so we'll see I'll keep your eye on Wales Online and see what happens I will do best of luck with that job as well Murph cheers Back in uh, Cracking Rugby Club, and uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully they don't suss you out too quick. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I'll be out of my ear in no time. That's it, top man. Great to Thanks, chat to you as always. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Bye bye.
Sports Social Podcast Network.